0: Hey everyone before we start I wanted to let you know if you would like to watch our whole service head to our website that's dc2.me and from the media drop-down click sermons you can watch our whole service there and now here's this week's sermon all right a couple quick things before I get all excited and carried away because today is the last day of this series that we've been doing in the prologue and this is the grand finale this is gonna be a lot of fun before I get in Uh, We are hosting, you heard on the announcements this morning, on February 27th, an event after the second service called Floats and Finances. And that's something that I would strongly invite you. If you call this church home, or if you're thinking about calling this church home, I would love to have you be there. There's going to be some really important pieces of information and some things about the future of us moving forward that will be so cool and fun for you to be a part of. So hopefully we'll see see you then. Um, Okay. Weddings. Weddings are important. Weddings are the type of thing that you don't want to forget about. Um, I was doing some research this week for this morning, and when you type in um, forgot wedding, the most common article that comes up is people who are typing in saying, oh my gosh, it's the week after a wedding I said I was going to go to. These are my best friends. They haven't reached out to me yet to tell me where the heck were you. What do I do? which is hilarious. Like That's just so funny to me that that could happen, but I can't imagine being a a groom or a bride who forgets to show up. And that's where we're gonna dive in this morning. Um, This story comes out of England, um, and here's how it goes. (laughs) It's from Time Magazine, and the title of the article is Groom Forgets to Book Wedding Venue, Calls in Bomb Threat to Cover Up His Mistake. Okay, uh, (laughs) fellas, if you're not married yet, this is a tutorial on don't do this, okay? This, uh, probably not the best idea by Jessica Roy. A British groom admitted in court last week that he called in a bomb threat to a Liverpool event space on his wedding day after realizing that he had failed to officially book the venue, the Liverpool Echo reports. Instead of admitting to his bride-to-be that he didn't book the venue, 36-old... Neil McArdle called St. George's Hall a few hours before the wedding was supposed to take place and said a bomb would go off in 45 minutes. He then panicked and realized that perhaps the threat was not such a good idea and called back to reveal the hoax, but unfortunately, the entire building had been evacuated, so there was nobody there to answer his call. And she ends the article with this line, and somehow you're the one who's still single. It's so amazing. I was thinking what he was doing is calling the bomb threat, and while everybody's out, like, rush your whole party in and be like, we got to get through this real quick, and then we got to get back out. Whoops. <laughs> Forgot. <laughs> what a great marriage lesson, too. Like, day one, like, I don't know if they got married that day or not, but gosh, man, as a, as a guy especially, like, just admit when you're wrong, man. It's a great—you didn't do premarital at all. It's You should have done that. Such a crazy story, and I think— Part of why it hits is like, this isn't like, I forgot to make reservations for dinner. It, it's, not, it's not something that's on the smaller end, or like, oh, we can recover from, we'll, we'll just go somewhere else. This, this is like, this is your wedding day. Shoot, what a bummer. <laughs> and I think as we're continuing to journey into this series, I think what we're finding is that we have this God who's very intentional about the timing of things. And then this grand finale, this is like the 4th of July, the last set of fireworks that go off that just leave you stunned, looking at your family going, that was wonderful. This is it. And it's gonna dial in really hard on how does God view time, particularly scheduling? Is he the groom who sometimes just forgets to book things or to show up, or is, is he a different type of, of God? And so we're going to dive in um, as we recap a little bit of last week. If you were here with us last week, we honed in hard really the last two weeks on this idea of Sabbath. And it has been rich hearing some stories just in pockets of people saying we took the first Sabbath that we've ever taken together and it was awesome. A lot of folks saying we took the first Sabbath we've taken and it was great. We didn't really know what to do. So we spent most of the daytime like looking at each other like, what do we do now? And that, that's fine. It's the beginning of a journey. But can I just ask, just, just for feedback, if, you've, if this has been a practice that you're like, we're trying, will you email me and just say, hey, this is what's been going great, and this is what's been a struggle? That will help me continue to guide and lead us as we move forward. And just to reiterate what we said last week, Sabbath is not one of these things that we hear about in Scripture, and it's optional. It's not one, of, it shouldn't be one of those, like, we got two sermons on that in January, and then by the time we get to July, it's like, what's, what was that thing again? Th- this is a lifestyle rhythm. The, the whole idea last week is that God has this dance music that he's setting up with human beings, saying, if you want to know what it's like to be fully human, learn this rhythm, dance with me. And it's great. We're gonna be um, diving back into Genesis 1, and I'm gonna read Genesis 1 through Genesis 2, verse 3. If you brought your Bible, open it, and there will be, I hope, at least a handful of things that you're gonna be circling and underlining, things that we have not seen quite yet. Also, because this is the last week in the series, I know we've been reading this chunk of scripture a ton. This is our last time, and so I would invite you, drink it in. Let it sink into your bones. We're not going to be reading this from the stage again for a little while. Enjoy this. So, here we go. Um, Genesis 1, verse 1, the prologue. The foundational story that the rest of Scripture is built on. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless, void, and darkness covered the face of the deep while wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And then God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the water. So God made a dome that separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. So this is like kind of ocean and this is sky. And it was so, and God called the dome sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, can we pause there for just a second? I don't know if you've caught this reading through. He blesses the first day. We, we talked about this rhythm last week of he finishes the day and he goes, and that was good. You, wa- you want a really funny thing to be able to tell your boss if your boss likes the Bible or it just has a sense of humor. The second day, Like, day one is Sunday, day two is Monday. He actually doesn't say that Monday is good, which is hilarious. Like, God had a case of the Mondays the first week there was a Monday. Take that to the bank, y'all. The cool part is that Tuesday gets a double dose of blessing, so that's where we catch up in our chiasm and in our numbers, which is also why if you've been around Jewish families, most Jewish weddings happen on Tuesdays, because they're a double blessed day. Yeah, you're welcome. God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together in one place and let dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. There's the first one. Then God said, "Let let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding every seed of every kind, the trees of every kind bearing fruit with a seed in it. And God saw that it was good. There's number two for Tuesday. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky that separate day from night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for the days and for the years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser night light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth and across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters. Here's another, this is, this is part of why this is the fun fireworks show. The only other time that it says, um, it says here, let God created, God created the heavens and the earth. That's in the first line. It's this really intense Hebrew word. It, it's, it's this personal boom, created. The next time that that shows up, and really the only other time that word shows up in scripture is when he creates sea monsters. It's almost like this little aside, like we're not gonna get into this more today, but it's almost like he's saying, hey, even from the beginning, I I even intended the bad things, the hard things, the scary things. I made the monsters. I made them. I rule the monsters. Don't you forget it. That's cool. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the water swarm and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the sea and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning. That was the fifth day. God said, let the earth bring forth creatures of every kind, cattle, and creeping things, the wild animals of the earth of every kind and it was so. And God made the wild animals of the earth, every kind, the cattle of every kind, and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. And then he said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the wild animals on the earth, over all the creeping things that creep. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit and you shall have them for food and to every beast on earth and to every bird in the air and to everything that creeps, everything that has breath of life, I've given every plant for food and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, and he hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work he had done in creation. That's the story. I hope if you've been hitting some of these sermons, some of the series that we've been in, hopefully from the first time we read it five or six weeks ago till now, there's things that you're picking up on that you're like, oh, it's so sweet. So sweet. The way he talks about all the animals. Why are we hitting animals so much? I I know why we're talking about animals. Oh, the, the cadence of evening and morning. I remember that there's seven of those. Seven is this this number for completion. If you're new or if you're just joining us, again, we're wrapping up this series. It has been so much fun to see the intentionality that goes into this. In a world that is broken, in a world where there are pandemics, where there are wars, where there are cities burning down, to hear a story that was the original story where God's going, you wanna walk with me? You wanna learn my story? My story starts like this. It's good. It's good. It's all good. I made it. And I made you, and you're good. I made all the people around you. People are frustrating, (laughs) I know. They're so good. The sea monsters, I made them, they're good. It's such a cool story, but, 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 we get to get a little deeper today, and I'm so excited. So, what we're gonna do, we've never tried this before. I'm hoping that we don't screw this up. This is my almost apple pen. Um, it's just, a, it's just a pen. Um, and I'm going to jump through, um, we talked about the very first week, this idea of a chi-ism. And again, if you've never heard of this before, this is a Jewish style of writing where your first wor- your first line and your last line are going to mirror each other. And then your second line and your second to last line are going to mirror each other. And it's kind of like building this sandwich. And the point for a Jewish writer was that they were going, I don't just want to tell you the truth. I don't just want to make it so obvious that you go, check, got it, moving on. I want it to be, I want to take you on an adventure. I have buried treasure for you in the text. I want you to go on a journey. I want you to go find it. And so they have all these different things that if you're a Jewish student reading this, you start to pick up and you're going, okay, is there a chiasm going on here? Because if there is, I want to figure out what's in the middle. That's, That's where the good stuff is. So we hit this a few weeks ago, and we started outlining some of the bullet points, but we didn't actually get to the middle. And if I do that again, I want you to bother me and be like, hey, you skipped over the best part. What the dump, dude. And, and I will tell you, I've got a method to the madness. We're gonna get to it in a few weeks, and here it is today, okay? All right, here we go. Are we good? Are we on the screen, You got the iPad? This is so exciting. This is real time. You guys. Genesis 1, 1 through 2, 3. I'm going to hit some things real fast here. This will be so much fun. Okay. You don't need to be able to see everywhere. If, if you're like, I didn't bring my glasses, don't worry about it. You're looking, we're looking at big 30,000-foot level stuff today. Okay. This Kaiism. let there be light, happens on this first day. And then we get a let there be light again down here in verse 14. That's mirrored then with this water thing. Water's above water, and then after the light, water teams. And then third, we get this land-producing vegetation, and down here we get land, and then finally, to round out the whole thing, we get the seventh day where he rests. Okay, there's two different kinds of chiasms. There's actually a bunch of different kinds. One of them is they're mirroring all the way to the center. One of them, which we discussed on our second week of the series, is it goes A, B, C, A, B, C, and the point still is that it's in the middle. That's where the goodness is hidden. So uh, we've got some of the work done for us today already. It's really easy because how many days of creation do we have? Seven. If you're Jewish, you love odd numbers because it's really easy to figure out which one's in the middle. So if there's seven days of creation, where would we expect to find the center of archaism? Day four. For those of you that are not math people, it's four. Okay, so if we just hone in on day four, here's what we're going to find. Oh, oh, here we go. Okay, this is day four, just the beginning. God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. Let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, and it was so And God made two great lights, and the greater light to govern the day, and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars, and God set them in the vault of the sky to give light to the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and morning, the fourth day. Okay, obvious, right? This is the center of this entire wonderful, elegant, intentional story that we've been reading. Obvious, right? No. <laughs> like if you're like I don't get it. Like it's like you're telling a joke and you said the punchline and I'm still waiting. Yes. It's it's not an obvious thing. If this is supposed to be the center, why is this so awesome? This should be 4th of July, things going off. It's amazing. And we got it's the sun and the and the moon and stars. Why? Okay, I'm going to poke you as a student of scripture. Because it it is not my job to be like a mama bird that chews things up and regurgitates them to you. (laughs) Colorful metaphor. My job is to poke you and go, what do you think? I I will coach you. I want to sit next to you as we look at this. But it is important that you're doing some of the mental work here. It cannot just be me. Because again, the point for these Jewish writers is they're going, it's your adventure. It's It's not Zach's and you will appreciate it and you will enjoy it so much more if you're doing some of the thinking. Can you see anything that starts to stick out? Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Right away, there's been this cadence that we've been talking about that's been going on in this work. It's some of the rhythm that was set up last week. It's this cadence that, that finishes each day with God saw that it was good, and it was evening, and it was morning right? So do we see that here? Absolutely we do. So that's down here. So we're going to chunk that off. That is not going to count. Now, if we're Jewish, we're looking for chiism. We're looking for places where it's the same thing being stated over and over again. As I was reading that whole chapter, it is so easy as Western readers to be like, how many times we're going to talk about their seeds and the trees and trees and the seeds and everything and creep and creep why like just say it one time the point is that they're going no they, uh, there's all these mirrors that are happening there's all these chiasms and we see it again right here it's kind, it's kind of bothersome but he says and let there be lights in the sky to separate day and night okay there's an idea So do we see anywhere else in this text? Can you spot it with your eyes? This is where's Waldo with Jewish literature. Can you spot where again, you're gonna see light and day where different things are being set up to separate light and darkness? Can you spot it? It's great because it's everywhere after this. Uh, And let them be lights. So you get almost the exact same wording right here. Let them be lights in the vault of the sky. And it was so, and he makes the lights, and so he makes the stars in the vault of the sky. So this whole thing is mirroring itself. So there's archaism here. What's in the center of this? If we take all of that away, what's in the very center is this part. Let them serve as signs to mark the sacred times and days and years. What? That's in the middle? (laughs) Why? Why? Why is that important? And we get out our shovels and we keep digging because we are on a treasure hunt. There's some things that can start to jump out at you if you're looking at this. Why would God be highlighting the moon and the sun? You've gotta remember, I mean, this is, these are ancient times. They're coming out of Egypt, they're going into Babylon. The predominant gods in this era in human history are what, the sun and the moon. They govern everything. So the fact that these are in the middle, it's as if God is saying, hey, you know these gods that are a huge deal everywhere else, well I'm making them. And they serve me. That's cool, that's, that's good to know, but it still kinda of feels like, well, what else, what else is going on here? If we really wanna cheat a little bit more, and I'll, I'll just say, we're, we're gonna hustle through some deep work here, but I, I hope that this next piece, that y- it just causes you to marvel, because I think it's so incredible. Revelation 21, verse 23. I'll read some of the context around it. This is the end, for those that are not as familiar with scripture, this is the very end of the Bible. This is book-ending scripture itself. This is John, um, a disciple of Jesus, having these these visions about where the church was at at his time. And as he's seeing heaven here towards the end, it's this conception of what heaven looks like. He says this, 21 verse 22, I saw no temple in the city of heaven For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. And the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. What? (laughs) So, at the end of all things, when it is set perfectly right again, there is no sun, and there is no moon. That's that's amazing. God's making them here at the beginning. He's gonna do away with them later. Why? What is going on here? If we do even a little bit more deep digging, if you look at, um, again, counting numbers in Hebrew letters, if we go, what word is at the very center of this sentence that we have marked in blue? It's this word sacred times. What the, this, this is confusing. This feels less like the fireworks show at the end and like that pause where if it's a bad fireworks show you're like, is it, is it done? Should we pack up and go home? <laughs> and you're worried because if you've been with us the last several weeks, I mean every single turn of a corner you're just like mind blown, mind blown, beauty, beauty, beauty. And now it's like, what? Sacred times? (laughs) What is going on? That word in Hebrew is the word moad. Moad is a really incredible word. It's not really used all that often. I'm gonna put it up on the screen here um, with how it shows up in in a Hebrew dictionary. Yeah. It's an appointment. It's a fixed time or a season, a festival. Conventionally, a year, but by implication, an assembly, a convening for a definite purpose. Technically, a congregation, by extension, the place of meeting. Also, a signal, an appointed time, a congregation, a feast, a synagogue. If you get to the root word of mawad, it's actually the Hebrew word ya'ad, which has implications to marriage, to a wedding. And so, as you stare then at our scripture for the day, this word is at the very center of the entire enchilada. Why? No odd. Can you think of a festival, a fixed time, an event that falls on a rhythm, that something, is God, that something where God is telling humankind, if you show up, I'll be there? Can you, can you think of anything? If you missed the last two weeks, let me give you a hint. It ends with Abbath. <laughs> but that's, that's just the beginning of what's going on there. Moad, Moad is this beautiful word. It, it's, it's God saying, hey, on day four, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up time looking forward. And there's going to be times that I'm setting even today, day four. I'm going to set up a rhythm every seventh day. There's actually other days that I'm going to set up. And if humankind will come meet me on those days, I will be there. It's incredible that he's doing this. At this point in the story, Adam and Eve haven't even been created yet. Humankind doesn't exist. Who is he creating these events and these days for? I mean, we, we get this distinct idea on day seven that he is resting. He is fully good to delight in himself, but he wants to delight with creation. He wants to delight with Adam and Eve. So if, if these moads, if these festivals, if these days, if these synagogues, this physical place in time, if he's making these on day four looking forward, what is he saying then in this very first prologue story He's saying, since the dawn of creation, I have set aside every Sabbath day from now until the very end. I know every single one. And if you'll come find me, I'll be there. And he doesn't just say that. As the story continues, that's the only moad we get for a long time in this story. But it's not the last one. There's this group of people. They've been enslaved in Egypt. And finally, they're liberated through this incredible a bunch of events. They're commemorated in this event called Passover, a Moad, that scripture will tell us. It's one of those times where Moad gets used again. Oh, that's awesome. And then there's these other holidays where God is saying, I want you to celebrate these particular days. Do you know why? Because they're Moad. These are days that I've set aside that if you come celebrate with me, come party with me on these days, I will be there. You can expect me to show up. I'm not some groom who's going to blow it and try and cover up his mistake. I'm the groom who sets the day and sets the time. I set it before I even knew you. And I'm inviting you to come be with me because I am that good at this. I am that good at time. I am that good at creating. And just spill it and then walk away. Every single piece day one through day seven. So intentional. You, human beings, Adam and Eve, so intentional. Now, and a million years from now, so intentional. And from the beginning, he's telling us, I've got the whole thing planned. And it's beautiful. The story continues. Because we join it. How do we, Moad? Again, I've loved hearing stories from your Sabbaths, from, from the times that you're trying to take aside. And I think if we're gonna start to see the fireworks display going on here, the cool thing, it's just this highlight, this extra exclamation point. When we take a Sabbath day, it's not us that's planning the time. Since the dawn of all creation, this story roots us back to the very prologue itself. God has been saying, yeah, I I knew that we would have this day, and I planned this day for us so that you could come be with me, and I've wanted you for thousands of years, and I've wanted this time for thousands of years. So Sabbath is is wonderful. It is deep water. It is an invitation from our groom to come say, join me at the altar. Today's a special day, and I I want to be careful of the sharp edge that I put on this, but I was hanging out with some of my Young Life guys um, back in the fall, and one of the things that we got on was this idea of action reflects belief. That how you act is a reflection of what's rattling around in your beliefs. And if this idea of Sabbath is something for you that's optional, I want to strongly challenge you because this is not something that just came up randomly in scripture later on in the story. This is the foundations of the house. This was put there on day four. It was exclaimed on day seven. It's been a rhythm that God's been on since the beginning, and it is not an optional thing for him. It's an invitation to you. And man, if there's ever an invitation again, we. if we can't follow him on the easy things, how do we think we're going to follow him on the hard stuff? This is a day where he's saying, come, just, I want you to rest. I want you to delight. I want to go on a walk with you. I want to enjoy creation. I want you to enjoy me. But then it gets more. There's, there's more. He's saying, if you're going to know how to be fully human, you're going to need to know how to take care of the world around you. And part of that comes with don't bother the world on day seven. Let it be, let it rest. One of the things that this story continues to remind us of is God is not one who just creates, but he tends to things. And he's saying, if you're going to know me, if you're going to know my heart, if we're going to do this together, which is his deep desire, you have to learn to do it with me and like me. And we're going to rest on the seventh day and the way that you're gonna care for the creatures around you, for the land around you, is you're gonna let it rest on the seventh day because that's what I do, that's what you do, that's what we do. There's this cadence that he's trying to teach us from day four before we're even made. It's incredible. He says, I'm a God of life. I don't just give it, I tend to it. Not just in you, but in the earth, in the wild animals, in the domestic animals, In the poor, in the immigrants, I care. And I'm still caring, and I'm still creating, and I'm still putting my image in you. I'm still inviting you to set aside the beast in you that wants to just do whatever you want. And I'm inviting you to choose my way. The same option that faced Adam and Eve is the same option that is facing us today. Do you want to live your life choosing to do whatever you want? Or is it something where faced with choices like this, you go, I choose to trust God no matter what. And your action reflects your belief. The beauty of Sabbath is that if you miss it or if you mess it up, if it gets botched by something else, it's a moat. But this mawad comes every seven days. It comes on a day of completion. There's an option every single time to re-engage it fresh yet again. God isn't sitting there with arms folded if it gets botched. He's not waiting with a hammer to smash. He's simply saying, hey, I'm, I'm like a dad. I'm like a groom. I'm waiting for you. I want you to be with me. Will you come sit with me? Will you come... Be with me. And if it gets missed in seven days, he's right back where he was, saying, come and join me. Now again, just to make sure this is clear, this God is so good. He's available all the time. But it's these special moads, these special festivals, these special seasons that he says, I've set these a time for special things. I will especially be there. Take him up on the offer. He'll tend to you. And in tending to your broken soul, he will continue to teach you how to tend to the broken world around us. Because at the end of this story, we have a a God who's saying, I want you to help me. I want you to join with me. I want partnership with you to put this thing back together. Because the world as it is today, this is not what I had in mind. I do have something in mind. I've planned it from the start and it's awesome. And I don't need you, but I want you, and I'm inviting you. Will you do it like me? The next time that Moad shows up in spades is Leviticus 23. And as we prepare to wind down this um, series and wind up the next, I am so excited to tell you this next series we're going to be in Moad the entire time. We're going to be looking at, yes, Sabbath was for sure one of these holidays that God set aside and said, do it. What else did he say? And in Leviticus 23, he just, it's this like, boom, 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 all of these things that he outlines right away. And he he doesn't just say, I want you to practice these, but then here's how to practice them. And we're going to be diving into, if you were an original hearer doing this for the first time, how, how are they doing this in an original Jewish context? And I think as we look at it there, this will be for us like cracking treasure boxes. And it will just glow at us. And we won't have time to dive all the way in. We're not going to be practicing these all together all the time. But they are things, treasures that have been hidden in Scripture that I think God is saying, you need to know that those are there. You need to know that I'm especially there, that I designated those moads. And they're for us, God and us. It's so great. God has a timing. He has a plan. He set it up from the dawn of creation like a groom who was well planned and well thought out. To put a point on it, today could be one of those days that has been planned for you. If you have been in a season of life where you just feel like, I have wandered away from home, from God, today might be the day that since the dawn of creation, God put a pin in a calendar and said, that's the day when she'll come back. That's the day when he'll come back. I've got a moad just for them. If this is your day, we're gonna sing in just a second. When our service is wrapped up, there will be folks up front, some of our elders who would love to pray for you, some of our prayer team who would love to pray with you. If you're like, I don't even know what to do, I just know I'm supposed to go home. They'll help you. Today might be your moad. It could also be one of those things where you go, I've prayed the prayer, I've done that, but... I'm also just feeling far away. Join us. Join the family. Come back home again. We cannot do this life unless we do it with Him. And we cannot do it with Him unless we learn to do it like Him. And we cannot do it like Him until our action reflects our belief. Enjoy Sabbath and this invitation. Enjoy life and the world around us. Enjoy the intricacy and the beauty and the delight. But join God in it all and learn what it is to be fully human. This is the prologue to the story that we have. You are not a beast. You're a human. Live from your roots like it. Let's stand and worship this good God together.